Hello, hello, listeners to the Third Way podcast. I remain perpetually fascinated by the human mind and especially how the mind impacts performance. Um, as I've said many times, we apparently are the only creatures that can witness our own minds and then actually decide to do something about it. So I was recently introduced to a fascinating person by my our mutual friend, Sherry Fitz. And um, I learned what Jake was doing and I wanted to invite him on to my onto this podcast to talk about what um, work, what he calls an equilibrated mind, which is a very cool term. So uh, Jake Merriman is a business guide and a mentor to world servers and the founder of the Mahalo Academy. So welcome, Jake. Thank you for having me, Justin. So what real quick for the listeners, what is the Mahalo Academy and how do you how do you explain that at a cocktail party? <laughs> sure. So Mahalo Academy is a platform for world servers to integrate practical spiritual tools to lead and serve their business. And without getting into too much nuance, I have three products in Mahalo Academy, and they're still really in stealth mode. So oh, okay. um, it's it's like one of these things that I'm I'm birthing and have been birthing over the last few years. Uh, the first couple of years was prototyping and then it was integrating. And now it is really turning it into uh, product beyond just me. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to me too. When I, when I read what you were doing is I think one of the great epiphanies is when we realize that we are not our thoughts. And then the second thing we realize is that we can actually choose our thoughts. This is something I've learned extensively from my partner, Virginia, who's a mindset coach and an expert in complexity science. And um, for, as someone that has dealt with lifelong, um, you know, trauma recovery and uh, anxiety and racing thoughts and ADHD, I feel like what you're doing, I think a lot of people are kind of like I am, which is if given the proper tools, we can accomplish a lot. We, you know, it, it, it's. I, I, another way I say this is dumb people don't get anxious. So, <laughs> uh, it, which is my way of saying ignorance is bliss, I suppose. But <laughs> you, you, the t- people you're working with, these world shapers, as you call them, these are not, these are smart people that I would assume many of them struggle with having some sort of equilibrium in their mind and trying to balance, you know, heart, mind and, and, and body and, and all that. So I'm really excited to dig into this with you. Uh-huh. Absolutely. So the first question to throw out is how, how do you balance mind, body, and heart? I know it's a big question. We could spend hours on and people should pay you money to learn how to do that, but <laughs> how, how do you do it? Or what's the science behind it almost? Sure. So balance is really going to come down to neutrality. And what neutrality means is a synthesis of opposites. So just like a positive and a negative polarity. So it'd be good just to start with understanding quantum physics to Newtonian physics. So a photon of light, for example, can be in a a timeless, boundless, limitless state. And once it materializes, it turns into an electron, right? And a positron. So a positive and a negative or matter and antimatter. And everything in reality exists in this state of either timeless, limitless, boundless state or Hmm. in a dualistic state and material. And so neutrality is going to bring us to the synthesis. 
And an equilibrated mind, an equilibrated heart, an equilibrated body means that we've found that node, that mm -hmm. space that I know that you're familiar with, or you wouldn't have manifested me on this show to talk about this. So in some way, shape, or form, my sense is, Justin, you, you've touched on this. And my sense also mm -hmm. is that your audience is somewhat curious and are explorers and either tasted this or are looking mm -hmm. to taste it. So that's that's yeah. one simple way to orient to understand what well, what is equilibrium. Right. First, you want to define it. Yeah. So how I mean the follow up to that before I give my response is how do you know you're out of balance? Like what's the evidence that you're out of balance of, of, with these three things or three well, elements? The amygdala holds valence, and that's the mammalian part of the brain's kind of primal. And it's yeah. meant to hold valence so that we can unconsciously, subconsciously respond to something. Okay, there's a sense of fear and we need to respond. But a lot of those are false positives or false negatives. And if the amygdala is responding, then it's some conditioning that's pretty ancient. So if we're ever realizing that we're operating from a high degree of valence or high degree of polarization, then we can tend to sense that there's some type of obscuration, some type of perception that there's more pain than pleasure or bad than good at any given moment. And whenever we're in valence, we've, we've lost the neutrality, hmm. okay. we've lost equilibrium. Yeah, it's interesting because I would say um, that for myself, as I can tell, I'm out of equilibrium or I would, what I call the, um, the presence point. So mm -hmm. it's an intersection of three areas, which I'll talk about in a second, but I can tell, I can tell that I'm out of harmony or out of balance. Uh, when I, I have a craving for conflict, that'd be one, <laughs> you know, I, where, yeah, that one. would be, that would be one. The second is, is where I am letting my inner narratives de determine my reality. Mm -hmm. I'm sort of participating in my own distortion chamber. Mm -hmm. um, but I, what I have found, uh, not knowing your process, but I think we speak a similar language, is that we're given these, I think each of us are given what I, what I would call the three struggles. So you pick your three things that you've battled your whole life. It could be circumstances you grew up in it could be it could be overcoming um some sort of like abuse whatever you pick your three main struggles and what i have learned is that equilibrium for me is in the middle of my three big struggles there's this point of i call the i call it the presence point that's in there and so for me that's an addiction to drama that's a big one you know and addiction sounds a bit overly dramatic but it really has the same traits as an addiction um, and the second one is codependency. Mm -hmm. And the third one is a sort of like uh, fix it mindset, like that there's something defective about me and I have to constantly be working on me or I'm going to fuck this up and everybody's going to leave me and whatever. So the big moment and the timing of meeting with you here and having you on is, is awesome because the big moment for me wasn't, it was not about getting rid of those three things. It's like, the, it, it, given the right perspective, those are strengtheners. Mm -hmm. It was finding the intersection point and being in that. Um, and then I found harmony. Um, and, and music is like this too. There's instruments that you don't think, you know, like the Beatles were famous for this, of introducing instruments that had never been in, you know, pop music before. 
or lyrical structures or things like that that music is such a great metaphor for that that, that it's the it's it's the tension it's the tension harness that produces the sound you know on any almost any all instruments that's the case it's tension that produces the sound so tension isn't the problem it's how you're playing it that's the problem and how you're playing it is the mind you can even have neutrality and equilibrium around the tension or yes. the challenge right and same with support you know for every challenge there's a, another ratio of support that exists the universe is always supporting and challenging us in equilibrium it depends on where we're coming from if we notice this then we're poised and we have equilibrium Mm-hmm. If we're having a preference for challenge, usually men have a preference for challenge because mm-hmm. it builds up testosterone, makes us feel really good. Mm-hmm. You know, feminine energy loves to have a preference for support, but optimally, we're going to grow at the synthesis. We're going to have mm-hmm. maximum integration at that synthesis point. So you're, you're right. bringing up the nature of reality. Yeah. And I think over it's overcoming the kind of Western civilization's break it, fix it mindset you know, <laughs> in, the, in the Protestant work ethic and you know, uh, no pain, no gain, you know, that type of thing is, is power through it, it or be in denial, you know, like the like good vibes only, like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. tell that to a cancer patient or yeah. a, a, a child sexual abuse survivor, you mm-hmm. know, good vibes only that's bullshit that, you know, it's that it's, it's our ability to change our thoughts. That is the gift of being a human. And so anyway, that, to me, that's that it's, it's the, your, your view of this and mine is this non-binary approach. It's not good versus bad. It's just how we're using these things that we have been given or inside of us. So the, a lot of the work you do, as I understand is around performance. You, you work with a lot of executives and CEOs and founders, and like you say, world shapers, um, what so how does equilibrium or the lack thereof affect performance what's the direct correlation between equilibrium and performance this is such a fun topic to discuss because in my previous world and company we worked with top performing sales leaders mm-hmm. and one thing that's common amongst high achievers is a consistent invalidation. So it's like a consistent disequilibrium. So at the first stage of development, high achievers oftentimes are highly polarized individual that never feel quite adequate enough. So they're always overcompensating to achieve. This right. is kind of like one level of performance and you can create a multi-million dollar operation from that right. way of being, but you might end up you know, having cancer in your fifties and like, that's unfortunate. So there's a cost to that benefit mm-hmm. of that type of performance. So let's just, you know, note that there is that type of performance. It works, it's effective and it's really pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's another type of performance where you decide that you don't want to burn your adrenals out anymore. <laughs> and there is a different way of creating and really performance comes down to your pace in which you're able to materialize a result, right? Mm. So when it comes to uh, equilibrated mind's way of doing it, then you're essentially moving from your lower chakras of inadequacy mm-hmm. and your heart's open and equilibrated. So you're just clear on a picture 
-hmm. in your mind of what you want to see. And then you are working with the field and the material world to create that picture. Yeah. So performance takes on a whole new landscape from the previous definition of it to a new definition of it here. Yes. Yeah. And I think to me, this equilibrium mind, equilibrium, it, 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 it changes your priorities, you know, is if you look at like David Hawkins's map of consciousness that many, and, and my friend Kelly Campbell has a book coming out about this, where about how many people seek leadership positions or become founders because of trauma. It's like a trauma response because at least they're in control. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they have that drive, but underneath it is shame because at the yeah. end of at the low end of Hawkins's map of consciousness was shame. True. And I, so I think that there's this point where you are performing to outrun. Um, it's, it's sort of like the, 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 like, fuck you energy that Tom Brady had for many years. You know, that mm-hmm. was a great example. It's like, it was different than say LeBron who LeBron has tended to be, he was special. You know, he was 13 years old when he was on, on the cover of ESPN magazine. Um, it, but his is more mission oriented. It's more almost in many ways, an enlightened approach to performance mm-hmm. using professional athletes with incredible sure. skill resources. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here. But I think that when you need your ego to be successful, this whole kill your ego thing, I don't think is a, a good mm-hmm. idea. And I, unless you want to be a monk or, you know, live in solitude forever. Um, but it's the equilibrium is okay. I'm going to take all this drive that I have to perform and I'm going to harness my ego as a dutiful employee to fulfill the th- vision that I have around the kind of impact or performance I want to make. And that is m- a much higher level of consciousness. Like you said, it changes what performance is at that point. Yes. And, and for me too, it's, th- I look at 52 years or really from a conscious, I mean, from an awareness standpoint, probably 45 years of expending enormous amounts of energy dealing with those three things, dealing with codependency, dealing with an addiction to conflict or drama and dealing with fix it mindset. When, when that, when I reached equal a state of equilibrium within myself, there's a large blank spot now of like what I used to spend on. So performance has changed for me because you basically, you move out of survival performance into some sort of higher conscious performance. Uh, that impacts humanity in a positive way that shapes history, you know, all of that. So that's very cool. Kudos for you for finding that space. It's awesome. I love it. Yeah. And yeah. And I, you know, I, I get all wobbly about it because you can't stay in it. You know, it's like, you can't stay in it. You go back to it. You go back to it. That's, that's it. Such a better use of energy than trying to fight these three things constantly. Um, so there's a wave function, right? So there's a wave function and at, and at every node is that presence point. Right. So if, if presence is, is part, if you have conditioned yourself to know that presence point moment by moment by moment, yeah. you've done enough meditation to always have it, there's, yeah. it's always going to be a wave, even right. if you're really good at maintaining the presence point. Yeah, exactly. And the point here for the presence point is not to be in a state of you know, bliss even because we live in a material world with lots yeah. of shitty things in the world and lots of struggles. And then you get your general existential crisis of being a human being anyway. Um, but it does give you a place to return to. 
Mm-hmm. Um, True. I, I heard a, a, a great quote um, recently. Uh, I did not know who this person was by Nag- Nagib Mahfouz. It's, he said, home is not where you were born. Home is where all your attempts to escape cease. Mm-hmm. And I think partially, the, and even the definition of mahalo, as you mm-hmm. described on your website, is f- being at home within yourself. True. And I think that's, that's very, that's a, what, a, what a, a powerful place to be, to be in the zone, but it's not external of you. You can be in the zone, in this mahalo place, no matter what circumstances you're in, no matter what your resources are. True. Uh, and so it goes to this. If you don't do it, this is why I say anxiety is optional. So if you're holding on to anxiety, there's some sort of kink thing there. Yeah. You know, that is like, I'm getting some pleasure from being anxious. And what it is, there's, is there's energy. There's energy. It's a sense of meaning. Yeah. I got, I got something to do. I got, yeah. I got anxiety to fight. Well, what if I didn't? Mm-hmm. Who am I? Who am I without anxiety? That's what I'm learning. So. So one of the things you, you brought up around codependency once we start to remold our, our parent relationship, let's just call that healthy. We have a healthy attachment. Right. And that would be a healthy relationship with yourself. Like you were talking about, you don't want to get rid of the ego. It's about to have a healthy relationship with the ego, to have a healthy relationship with the planet, to have a healthy relationship with the universe. And then we are interdependent. So yes. it, it takes some time to repattern our relationship with our folks to honor their contribution and their protection of our path. They kept us alive. They did it. It's awesome. And then there's your present time energy and intelligence is Justin and my present time energy and intelligence is Jake that we get to create from as sovereign beings. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So that kind of leads to the last question. Um, and, I, and I like to ask this of any thought leader or practitioner of something mm-hmm. is, you know, you're an expert at this, this is how you make a living, but what are you still working on within yourself? And I use the word working on, not as a, some remedial thing, but like, what are you giving attention to within yourself still or now? Mm-hmm. So last year, <laughs> this is, this is like a good one. So I, I just love provocative questions. They're just great. So like, it's just, it's just in such service to others. So last year, I made last year the year of flourishing in my top three values. So mm-hmm. if it's not obvious, my top value is spirituality. Mm-hmm. And then my second value is learning, teaching, mentoring in that reality. And then last year, my third value was health. And I wanted to flourish at some health challenges. I wanted to flourish and mm-hmm. my health. So I just set those. I'm going to flourish. And I was fiercely determined and devoted to practicing flourishing in those three years and accomplished that at the end of the year. And interestingly enough, I decided that I was going to uh, commit to flourishing in eight areas of life. So typically there's seven areas of life. It would be spiritual, you know, learning and intellectual right. pursuit. It would be the, the business pursuit, the financial pursuit, mm-hmm. a social family, and then health. Like those are the big seven. And my eighth one is adventure, joy, like that mm-hmm. type of thing mm-hmm. that like really, like that really lights us into um, primordial essence, if you will, like makes us feel true to our core essence, like in the body, not just spiritually. So right. I made a commitment to flourish in all eight areas of life. And 
so of course, like all of my family stuff comes up, like I move business up to number three and it's like, I, uh, all of a sudden there's all these opportunities to do more business activity. So, um, right now I am both supported and challenged in equilibrium to flourish in all eight areas of life. So my sense is going to take me, you know, between two and a half and three years to really congruently nail that. Like I did in one year, nailing three, my sense is going to take me a few years to be flourishing in, in all of those domains of life. And, um, yeah, with the utmost humility and also confidence, um, you know, I'm not flourishing in every single domain of life, yet I see the flames and the nurturing of each category of life. So I like, I swallowed a major pill of transformation at the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. So I would say that that is what is challenging me and supporting me most to grow is that very commitment that will be my intention at the beginning of next year and or the year mm -hmm. after until um, I can really just own like, Hey, I am an exemplar of flourishing and all eight areas of life, which is right. um, part of what I'm here to embody and part of my purpose. Yeah. It's interesting. There's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot in there. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and there is this, there's this, what you're embodying here is sort of axiology, like the potentiality of, true. of, of the, of being a human. Um, yeah. You know, there's, I'm always resource sensitive that, you know, what people with lower incomes or they're in situations where they don't have access to the same resources that they may not have, they, 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 they're going to have to find a different kind of equilibrium, but it's still, it's still there. It's still available. It's still free essentially um, mm -hmm. within oneself. For me, there is a, a balance harmony between one of the things I'm working on is um, finding the alchemy between novelty and familiarity. Mm -hmm. so with as a person with adhd and eight in the enneagram is i like challenges mm, nice. I, like, I need stimulus but if i have too much stimulus as a as a trauma survivor and a highly sensitive person that i tip into like panic attacks or i you know or isolation mm -hmm. um and so it's this balance between it basically adventure and safety nice. that's that's this harmony and um and that that not all novelty and that novelty is not necessary to be adventurous. Not every time there's plenty of, we open our eyes, plenty of awe around us and familiarity does not mean boredom. Like I thought it did. I thought that it would mean boredom and it doesn't. The other one that I'm working on is this, what I call machine bias. And the machine bias is that those of us that were raised in Western civilization especially with the influence of theology and the patriarchy is that we're defective. What I call it, what I call the piece of shit doctrine um, is that there's something wrong with us and we need it. We need a savior. And, but what's interesting is, is the industrial ages influence on that is that we all treat ourselves like machines. So somebody literally asked me, how do you recharge your batteries? And my answer to them is, well, I'm not a machine. I don't have batteries. And so the thing that I'm trying to do is, yes, I want to unlearn kind of machine thinking about myself mm -hmm. and, and seeing myself as something that's defective and needs to be fixed, but I got to replace it with something. And that is an understanding of ecosystems and mm -hmm. ecosystems only evolve through shock. Something has to shock the system. That's what hurricanes and floods. And now with climate change, the whole planet's telling us to, mm -hmm. you know, wake up. Mm -hmm. um, so 
it, at, a, at a very deep personal level with that shocking the ecosystem. That's things like I'm, I need to really re-engage with like heavyweight training that shocks yeah. my body. That'd I need to do things that are, I need to go out and pull weeds in the hot sun, even if it's yeah. just for 20 minutes. I need to do the cold plunge. And, it, you know, I've been yeah. wanting to try it. Yeah. And it's not like, it's not like this sort of bro sense of accomplishment. It's not like high ego masculinity, which is, I'm going to go out and do danger, do this type of stuff to feel manly about it. It's, it's very scientific. It's, I need yeah. to shock my system as a 52 year old man with uh who really likes the creature comforts of life. I need to get uncomfortable in, a, in an environment that propels me forward. So that's, yep. that's what I'm working on. Also so. invite you to, as, as I was you know, discovering who's this Justin character who's going to interview me here. What's this conversation about? I looked up your astrology chart because your birth information is on, on Facebook. So you yeah. don't have any fire in your chart, um, which would be somebody who like would want to develop the fire element. So that exercise stuff for you would really help with all of the novelty and balancing out your equilibrium. Yeah. You'd be balancing out your elemental stack inside of yeah. your constitution. So you're, yeah. you're like right on track. If I was like, oh, this guy doesn't have any fire. I was like, wonder what his relationship is to exercise, et cetera. And like, yeah. there you are having that conversation and setting it all yeah. up. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thanks for saying that. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a Scorpio and all the ways, which makes some people nervous. So you're not just a Scorpio. You are a stellium score. You're five planets yeah. in Scorpio. I mean, yeah. Oh, yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. A lot of, a lot of that energy there. Um, <laughs> But, well, last question for you before we go here, Jake, is how how does someone know they need you? Someone's listening to this and they're like, I like what this Jake has to say and I want to learn the Mahalo approach. How would they know they need you? So I would say that these tools work best for someone that has a high IQ, EQ, SQ. Um, those are the people who can take these tools, integrate them and run with them. So the world servers who are looking to build a business, scale their business, build a team, people who are builders and contributors, where you're, you know that your spiritual intelligence is not at the level that it could be. And it's like you have untapped potential there and you have the aptitude and other domains of life to integrate it and probably enough space to develop a practice. Right. Um, of course, I'm helping people develop a practice, but also the best people I work with are doing the practice on their own and they have got the self-discipline to do that. So. Hmm. That's interesting. Well, uh, thank you for this time. And uh, I'm really excited to, as you kind of roll out these, uh, how did you describe them? The secret, like- uh, yeah, They're in stealth mode. Yeah, stealth mode. Yeah, well, they're not in stealth mode. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, when they're not in stealth mode anymore and um, whatever I can do to support you and the work you're doing, just let me know. And uh, I appreciate you being on. Yeah. Thanks for the great conversation. Nice to learn about you. Good to meet you. you.